Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, everybody. This is Graham Bexart, mental coach and director of mental training for Lucid. You're listening to The Jake Brown Show. Hey, everyone. This is Mandy Antonacci, co-hosting The Jake Brown Show. Catch us on Play.it, iTunes, and Spotify. Great job. Just tremendous work. I mean, wow. Take a breather. All right. Take a sip of water. All right. Thank you. Take the reins. Whew. Graham. Yeah. Graham, um, so Jake and I were talking before you came on the show, and I I just, I need your support here. I want you to back me up. One of the (laughs) things I said to Jake is that I just came back a couple weeks ago from the LA Marathon where I ran the marathon without training. And he's looking at me like I have five heads. And rightfully so, because every person I tell uh, looks at me in in that same way. But I, I don't recommend this to people. It's not something I'm, I'm rightfully advocating. But I did it intentionally because I wanted to gain a benchmark for my mental toughness. And I know yeah. that a marathon is 90% mental. Now, mind you, I'm a good runner. I'm in good shape. But I 26.2 miles, you could be in the best shape of your life. And that's still tough, right? Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to test my own mental toughness. And I know that you would not give me the same look that Jake gave me. <laughs> no, that's amazing. How did, uh, I mean, that's incredible just to complete that. How, how, what was it like for you? It was tough. And I have five uh, black and blue toenails as we speak, part of a marathon feat. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it was great. I mean, I, I have to tell you, the thing for me is that I mentally reset my approach and my goals to be twofold. One was fun. And the other was finish. And I stayed right. focused on those two goals. And every time I caught myself deviating, wondering about my time or trying to pass someone out, I would reinforce those two goals in my head, among many other things that you have taught me um, that All got right. me through the finish line. Right on. It sounds like you had a cool little mantra to keep your focus you know, on what you needed to focus on and it allowed your body to do what it's capable of doing, clearly. That's right. You know? So tell us a little bit about... You didn't introduce him first. We have to say who he is. Who's on the line with us right now? Oh, I didn't? No. You, you said Graham. Luke, we could, we could cue it up if, if we need the pronunciation of his name. I mean, we, we, we have the, the Google uh, version of it, but it's Graham Betchard on the line. And Luke, let me, let me hear how we do it. Hold on. Okay. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here Graham. Betchard. <laughs> Okay, so we have been doing this for every guest because we have the craziest names today. Well, we had Takeo Spikes, and we weren't sure it was Takeo or Takeo, so we looked it up, and it was a fun, it was like a cool voice. And now this one, we typed your name in, and we had to do it on two different voices. So there you go. Oh, boy. So it's Graham Betchart. 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 Incredible. I know. We had Antonacci, we had Takeo, we had, we had a bunch of uh, odd ones today. Nothing like Jake Brown. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't get more, more difficult than that, you know? All so, right, Manny, sorry to interrupt. That's a, no, thank you. So I just Take said, hey, Graham, you know, like we go way back. 
Uh, so we have <laughs> we have Graham Bichart. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say it's serious now. I don't. You got I that can't. voice on your mind. <laughs> we have Graham Bichart. We have Graham Bichart on the line, who is a mental skills coach uh, and head of mental training at Lucid. Graham, thanks for joining the Jake Brown Show today. Yes, my pleasure to be here. Uh, Graham, there is so, now that we're in NBA finals mode, right, we have been having a lot of conversations about this time of year, um, looking at when physical equivalency is seen on the court for the most part as we're coming down and things will be winding down in the next few weeks. It's really the mental game that starts to prevail itself. And we know you work with the most finely tuned professional athletes to prepare them for this particular moment. Talk to us about how you got into this field and, you know, leading up to something like NBA finals. You know, what is some of the ways that you work with these NBA players yeah uh, well you know I, I got into this work because I you know I did a, a ton of mental training on myself when I was a teenager kind of helping myself through a tough time you know and I learned to meditate I learned the power of positive self-talk I learned to be present I learned compassion and empathy and I, I learned all these skills and it wasn't through sports and you know sports is a huge passion of mine and then I found out about sports psychology. You know, I didn't even know there was a field involved in mental training. And when I heard the word sports psychology, I knew that was my calling. And, you know, my goal was to take the training I did and normalize it because I felt lucky that I had received this mental training and I felt like the world needed to see this stuff and know about it. So my passion and, and purpose the last 14 years was normalizing mental training and getting it so your average 14 or 13 year old can do this stuff. And, you know, so my goal was to work with NBA players because NBA players were influential to me growing up. So I wanted to train NBA players <clears throat> with the mental side of sports so we can make a positive change in the world. You know, people look up to NBA players and, you know, the company, the startup I'm with, Lucid, that's, that's our goal is to really scale all of this training and now make it available for anyone who has a phone, you know, you just you download the app and hit play. So this is kind of my my real passion in doing this. And it's it's kind of, you know, a lot of the NBA players I work with now, I met a lot of them when they were teenagers. Um, you know, the first one I started working with was Aaron Gordon, and I met him when he was 11 years old. So I didn't necessarily know who they were going to be. I would just I knew I needed to give this to kids. And if, and, and if some of the kids were into it and they wanted to be trained, I was going to mentor them all the way through their careers. And so it's kind of led me to where I am now. You know, I've never been hired by an NBA team, but I work with a lot of NBA players. So it's kind of a – I knew I wanted to be in the NBA, and I just kind of followed my passion and followed my purpose, and it's led me to where I am now. Can you mention, Graham, some of the guys that you do work with? Yeah, and uh, the the reason I can is because, you know, when I started working with them, we made a deal, and I said, look, I'm going to do this for free. I have a big purpose in life, you know, and this is just the early part of my purpose, and I thought everyone needs to know you guys' names. People need to know this is occurring because, you know, when I was growing up, I looked up to Michael Jordan, and, you know, I had no idea that Michael Jordan had a mental coach named George Mumford, who works with me at Lucid now. He's one of our coaches, and I was lucky enough to meet Michael Jordan uh, last year with Aaron Gordon, and when I shook Mike's hand, I said, what George is to you, I am to Aaron Gordon, 
and Mike looked me in the eyes, straight in my eyes, and said, George Mumford saved my life. And I said, and I thought to myself, nobody knows that. You know, and so for me to work with Andrew Wiggins, Carl Towns, Ben Simmons, Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine, you know, I happily share those names, Jalen Brown, Scal Labissere, and they all happily share that they do this work because they've seen it in a positive light. I didn't start working with them to fix a problem. I started working with them to give them an actual skill set, to train them. And so we approached mental training much differently than how it's usually approached, which is, hey, you got a problem, let me come fix it. And I was like, the only problem is, is if you don't do mental training. <laughs> That's the only problem. And so they bought in when they were young. And I truly believe in this stuff and live it, so I was able to kind of get it to them. And now it's, you know, we're able to sign some of these guys to ask, uh, to Lucid. You know, Aaron Gordon is with us at Lucid. Scala Bissere is with us at Lucid. And of course, Brandon Marshall with the New York Jets. So we're slowly bringing these athletes into our company. So we can continue to promote this and let people know that this is actually really cool. This is really good stuff. And if you are competitive, this is the difference maker. You know, this is what helps you win. You know, Graham, staying on that story with Michael Jordan, um, you know, he mentioned that, you know, his life was saved through mental training. Do yeah. you, did he give you or do you know of any examples of, of you know, how that how mental training has intercepted his game so dramatically? No, you know, it was just a uh, it was it was a brief introduction at a party in All Star Weekend. So it was a, a brief couple minutes we met, and and truth be told, me and me and Aaron Gordon were both a little starstruck, and I felt really um, happy just to know that Aaron was still a regular human and was like, oh my God, that was Michael Jordan. Like we just <laughs> hung out and talked. Um, but if you if you kind of know Michael's story, right, you you kind of know that he's extremely competitive. And early on in his career, right, he had a tough time sharing with his teammates. Uh, the Detroit Pistons used to foul him hard, and he would get really mad and angry at the Pistons, and they would always win. And then when Mike learned mindfulness and compassion and empathy, he learned to take a breath and walk away when people were trying to get him mad. And he learned to trust, and he learned to go into vulnerable places, and he learned that victory does go to the vulnerable, right? He would pass the ball to his teammates. And there's legendary moments of Steve Kerr hitting game-winning shots with the Bulls because Michael is sharing the ball, and Michael is trusting his teammates, and Michael is having compassion for the Detroit Pistons because he's not going to let his anger get the best of him. So those are like real stories of someone learning to take their competitive drive, channeling it with mental training, and then learning how to work through these seemingly uh, massive obstacles like the Detroit Pistons and not trusting anyone. And then you realize, hey, do you the only thing stopping me is myself, and he was able to work through all that. And, of course, once he started figuring that out, I mean, he, he didn't really lose. You know, he figured out how to win. So uh, I just think it's so powerful because I think a lot of people think Michael Jordan was just this phenomenal athlete, and I think a lot of people think he was born with some special ability to perform under pressure. And I, I think for just to help people out, he had an incredible desire to work on the mental side and he put his whole drive and worked on unlocking himself and realizing fear was an illusion and then once you realize fear is an illusion and you, you know how to be present and you trust your skills you can't be stopped and he has that famous commercial where he says you know i've missed nine thousand shots i've missed 26 game winning shots and that's what makes me great and he's basically bragging about all his failure because Failure isn't really failure, right? The only failure is you're afraid to take that shot or you, or you don't want to make a mistake. And so that, 
Michael was a big influence on my life, and I feel uh, really honored now that I get to work with George Mumford at Lucid, and we're both getting these messages and getting this training out to the world. And for me, Lucid is free for all students, and that is one of the things that makes me feel really good is that it's free so we can reach those 14-year-olds who need this. You know, Graham, I had an opportunity to speak with Michael's lifelong Jordan, uh, Michael's lifelong agent, David Falk. And one of the quotes that I love that he had, uh, we were talking about athletes, uh, you know, as brands. And he had a great quote that said, Michael Jordan never worried about being a brand because he was too busy worrying about being the best. And clearly, Michael Um, grew up in an era where social media didn't exist, right? So now I would assume that you need, you know, players today need mental training more so than they did in the past, or you need to coach these players differently because there's a lot of distractions that come with social media. Yeah, no, absolutely. One of the first principles we work on with athletes is what we call WIN, and WIN stands for what's important now. And what's important now is focusing on what you can control. In, in modern-day life, it seems like there's so many things that are out of your control right now, especially social media, other people's opinions, that you really do have to help people learn to focus in on the moment and learn to let go of everything else. And this is hard now because people can blast their opinions all over the place. And a lot of athletes I work with, I'd ask them, hey, do you feel good after getting off of social media? And most of them don't feel very good when they're done with social media. So it's kind of a sign that, hey, why am I doing this? You know, and and as a pro athlete, you put yourself out there, right? That's what you're doing, but it's not who you are. So a big thing they need to really realize is basketball or football is what I do. It's not who I am. So people are welcome to critique what I do. It has nothing to do with who I am at the deepest level. And when they make that separation, it allows them to play free, to play with a lot of confidence and not really fear failure as much because they, they accept whether people say I'm great or bad, it, it really doesn't matter, right? That doesn't matter to me. It's I know who I am at a deep level. Basketball is what I do. If I make mistakes on a basketball court, I'm still okay because I know who I am. But if you think basketball is who you are, that makes it a whole different level of pressure on your back, right? Then all of a sudden you have a bad game and you feel like you're a terrible human being, and that's not a good place to be. So. They have to learn to make that separation to really allow themselves to to thrive and and go for it and not be afraid to fail. Now, Graham, you personally are not a social media guy. And I, I just added you on LinkedIn. But other than that, you are not a social media, right? No, not at all. Um, I, I really have – I can't really find a good need. I mean, I understand business practices and I understand people building their brands. But if I want to connect with someone or I want to talk to a friend, I'm just going to call a friend. Right, I'm just going to call one of my like five friends. I don't have 300 friends. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I have. I, th- I think we're lucky to have two or three people uh, that we love dearly and love us. So, I my whole thing is about building uh, strong, deep, uh, intimate connections with people. And so I've, I'm 38 years old. I'm right in the middle of kind of the you know the millennials and kind of doing the whole social media thing, and then the generation that kind of just is like I'm not really into it. So I kind of am right in between. Um, but now I'm not. I don't really get into it. I don't read other people's opinions. I just, it's just out of my control, you know. Working, Graham, with a guy like Ben Simmons and having to deal with, I mean, the frustrations of a rookie season and not being able to play at all 
for a team where you think of him and Joel Embiid and just Nerlens Noel and all those guys playing together and how good and the potential that could be seen and just having to deal with those frustrations. Take us through working with a, a guy like Ben Simmons in the position that he's in. Well, first of all, Ben is a really kind of easygoing guy. He's silly. He's funny. I'm sure you guys see him on social media holding up cats and, mm-hmm. you know, doing all kinds of stuff. They, they really they go stir-crazy. You know, I mean, this is a 19-year-old kid. So imagine being 19 years old and kind of locked in your room. And, you know, he can't really walk around the city of Philadelphia. I mean, everyone knows him. Everywhere he goes, it's kind of a deal. So it's really challenging. You know, the it's never the person guarding them that's the challenge. Put it like that. I've never, ever, ever had a player say the person guarding me is too good. It's basically can I deal with everything else going on in life? Can I deal with being injured and not being able to play for a year? Can I deal with, you know, being a rookie is really hard. It's challenging, and, you know, veterans don't like young rookies. And it's just learning to deal with all that. It's really not really basketball. That's the challenge. It's everything else. So I, I, the way I work with them is, one, I understand they're still 19, 20 years old. These are really young people who are going to do young people stuff, and that's okay. That's part of the deal. And I really just try to meet them where they are. So I don't force a lot of these lessons. I just try to build the relationship where the, when they're young and, and kind of stick around and be with them. And when they reach out, you kind of connect with them. I also know you have to let them go through their own experience. They have to fall down, right? They have to learn to stand up. They have to go through all those experiences. And your rookie year in the NBA is where you, you go through that a lot, a lot. And to do a 180 gram, do you work with and – just tell us uh, the process of working with a guy now. I mean, in the NBA playoffs, just dealt with the 82-game grind and day-to-day grind and now trying to play at the highest level in front of the biggest audience. Well, if I'm good at what I, I do, I've already done my job because mm-hmm. performing under pressure is not about changing what you do. It's about really sticking to your routines that you've already developed and sticking to your processes that you've developed faith in and you develop trust in, and you essentially do the same thing. So people who perform well under pressure are just doing the same routines they've always done. They don't change their routine. They don't try to have a big game, right? Let's just get back to being present, being in the moment. And when this moment's done, just get on to the next play. And what you're really working on is energy, right? There's obviously more energy in the playoffs, and there's no way to replicate that until you're in it. Um, But all the players I've worked with, you know, we work on being comfortable, being uncomfortable. We work on the concept that victory goes to the vulnerable. So any experiences that they're going through now, um, our training should have already been done. I don't call people up and say, oh, it's the playoffs. You've got to go play big. I don't do anything like that. I really remain really calm, stay present, and really just stick to the same stuff they've always done because that's really where the success is. It's knowing what your routines are and then having faith in your routines in any moment, whether it's preseason, the playoffs, regular season, whether you've made 10 shots in a row, missed 10 shots in a row. It's really just being present, right? That's the ultimate goal. Can I be in this moment and trust my skills? And that never changes. And I love how being present, clearly you need to detox from social media. And it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like you prescribe to uh, the same platform as Coach Coach Bill Belichick, that snap face thing, I presume, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just try to help become aware. What I really try to do is teach them to be aware of their own energy, right? Because this whole thing in is an energy game, right? You want to have quality energy. You want to be in the present. You want to be relaxed but still totally alert. And I'll just ask them, what is it like for you when you're done on social media? And I don't see anyone get positive energy from it. So 
you just help them become aware of it. I don't tell them what to do or not to do. I let them make their own decisions. But I do want them becoming aware of, like, is this helping or hurting you? And if it's hurting you, why would you keep doing it? You know? You know, I, I love when you talk about your journey and how you were introduced to sports psychology. You really didn't even know that it was a thing. And yeah. I actually um, authored a piece in Inc. Magazine about Tom Brady and about a book that he hails for his mental toughness. And in every post-game interview, he always mentioned the mental toughness of his team. Playoffs, even, you know, at the Super Bowl, he really you know, he made mental toughness the hero um, of that game. And the book that that he actually um, mentions is Timothy Galloway's book, The Inner Game of Tennis. And, you know, it was a phenomenon when it was published in 1972. And a lot of people actually credit that book as being the catalyst for what we now know as sports psychology. So it's obviously, you know, people look at this and scratch their heads thinking someone like Brady is getting mental advice from tennis is a little mind boggling, right? Is there another sport that you feel is a great gauge for mental concentration and mental strength? Uh, Yeah. And I, and I would, I would throw it out there too. You know, sports psychology is a relatively new field. Mm -hmm. Um, It hasn't been around for very long, but peak performance has been around forever. Mm -hmm. Peak performance has been around for thousands of years. You know, if you go study samurais, right. And study how samurais went into battle and how they were trained in Zen and how they were trained to be present and how they were trained to get rid of their egos. Right. And you're talking about the inner game of tennis and Tim Galway talks about two different things. You have self one and self two, right? And self one is this conscious self, this, this ego self. I want to win. I don't want to lose. I don't want to be embarrassed, right? And self two is the one where there is no ego and you're just trusting your performance, right? You get out of your own way. And that's the and outer Tim and Gal- inner game, right, right Graham? The yeah, outer. exactly. And, and, and what samurais would do is they would get rid of the self that was afraid to die. Because the, the biggest thing in battle that'll, that'll limit you is being afraid to die. And so samurais, because their life was on the line, they would visualize dying. They would visualize all kinds of crazy deaths before they would go into battle. So when they went into battle, they had nothing to fear because they had already killed that part of them that lived in fear and that worried about results and outcomes. And so going back to the inner game of tennis, the big thing that Tim talks about is focus on bounce hit right? The ball bounces in front of you and then hit it, bounce hit. And so he gives you a focal point on what to focus on. And it reminds me a little bit about you running the marathon, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You said finish. Finish and fun. My two goals were finish and fun. Fun. So there's your mantra to keep you involved instead of going, oh my God, why am I doing this? This hurts. It's terrible, right? You gave yourself something to go to. And so the inner game of tennis bounce hit gave people something to go to and to me it's it's so amazing that that book is so powerful right tom brady's late 30s 39 40 years old i I wonder if like a 17 year old knows about that book and my thinking is tom brady's probably the last you know steve kerr is a big proponent of that book who coaches the warriors and so i feel like we have this opportunity now to really make all this stuff like really normal you know and really bring it here because if you look at who's winning, yeah, Tom Brady's winning. He knows about mental training, right? He knows about this stuff. I, a lot of people probably wish the Atlanta Falcons knew about mental training, right? It looked like they had a really hard time in the Super Bowl being present, right? They were, it, was, it was amazing what was happening. But 
No, that book, uh, The Inner Game of Tennis, it's a super powerful book. I recommend it to everybody. Um, and it's a classic. It's such a great read. As you look across the spectrum of athletes uh, in any league, any sport, is there one that stands out in terms of peak mental performance to you? Wow, really good question. Is there one athlete in any sport? Hmm. You know, Steph, Steph Curry is a big one for me. You know, Steph Curry, um, when you watch Steph Curry, first of all, he actively promotes mental training. I don't know if you guys have seen these Kaiser commercials where he's saying, train your mind and your body will follow. Yep. He's actively out there going for it. And he has his phrase, right, lock in. And Steph is all about being present, right, being in the moment and then trusting, like really trusting. And if you go if you go find some of the research out there now on, on what improves motivation, positive self-talk, peak performance, a lot of research is coming out that says spiritual awareness is where a lot of this growth is coming from. And when you look at Steph Curry, he's so spiritually grounded in that there is a power bigger than his own ego, right? His job is to go out there, have fun, be present, lock in and trust his stuff. After that, you have no control whatsoever. So Steph Curry will go 0 for 10, right? He'll go 0 for 12. He has the record for most missed threes in a game, and I think he has the record for most threes in a game. That is the ability to be present. That is mental toughness. Mental toughness is not having a great game. Mental toughness is having a brutally awful game, and you still keep performing. You're still in the moment. You're still trusting your skills. Um, he had several games this year where he – he was missing like every three he took for game and game again. And people said, Hey, what happened to your confidence? And he said, I have tons of confidence. I just missed 12 threes. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, they just didn't go in. Like you guys worry about results. I don't worry about that at all. And so if he didn't have confidence, right, he'd have been like, Oh, for five, but going over 12 means you have supreme confidence and, and you truly know who you are. Remember what I said, right? These aren't basketball players. These are human beings choosing to do basketball. It's even deeper than that, right? These are spiritual beings living the human experience, choosing to play a game. Steph is the most grounded person I've seen in that level of awareness. And you can see it in his game. And you can see it. I mean, can't you see how free he is when he plays? He's free. He's truly free. Yeah. Right? This isn't, this isn't someone paralyzed by fear over a result at all. So I would say Steph Curry. And um, you know, I've had a chance to talk with him a few times and, and – do a little talking about being present, you know, and I know those guys with the Warriors, their four components are joy, mindfulness, competitiveness, and compassion. And it's just an amazing four components to run a basketball team with, and, and you can see it. Graham, you know, you um, have seen this, this market, and you have seen sports psychology grow over time. How do you think the coaching staff of teams will evolve moving forward as more players gravitate to mental training. What do you think, if you can forecast what the coaching staffs of professional teams will look like in the future, how do you think that's going to change? Well, I mean, I think that you're going to be able to have to assess a mindset, and you're going to, be have to, you're going to have to assess people's ability to be present, right? People's ability to move on to the next play, where at Lucid we call that next play speed. There was an article that came out now, they call it lag time in the NBA. And it's about lag time, which means how, how long does it take a player to catch up to the play? And so you're seeing analytics now starting to track what we call plane present and next play speed, because the way you improve your lag time is train your next play speed. 
right? That's how fast can I move forward? So at Lucid, we're doing that. We're, we're training that. And I feel like as uh, coaching staffs evolve and front offices evolve, they're all going to be talking about this language, just like they talk about vertical leap and, you know, how long your arms are and all that kind of stuff. Next play speed is going to be an analytic that people look at. And if you go look at Steph Curry in college, his next play speed is phenomenal. If you go and if you go watch Aaron Gordon in college, his next play speed is phenomenal. So you can see little hints to me of greatness, which is how fast can you fail and move on. That's a sign of true greatness because it's not about avoiding failure. It's, hey, I make a mistake, I move on. So I feel like more and more coaches are seeing this kind of stuff. When I get called by NBA teams and they ask about what do you see, this is what I tell them I see. This is what, how I tell them to judge players is when they make mistakes, how fast do they move on. Once you assess they can play the game, it's what's their mindset like. So I'm really excited that this is now being normalized and this is now becoming something that it's it's obvious this is the thing to do. You know, Coach uh, Jay Wright from Villanova Men's Basketball said that exact thing where he was talking about recruiting players. And he said, you know, it's no longer about watching a player execute a play. If we are there watching you, you already do that well. What we're actually looking for in the point of difference is how you rebound from a play that didn't work. There right? you go. Yep, and he it, was it, just it, talking about that a few it, weeks ago. And they're just like, this is something he's saying, hey, we're just, we're just seeing this. Mm-hmm. This isn't about, like, make every shot, don't make mistakes. This is, it, it literally is about, can I assess mindset? Because everyone will tell you at the highest level or at any level, the game is at least 80% mental. So why don't we focus on that, right? Why don't we put all of our emphasis into that? And I think it's just so powerful when organizations and teams do, do do that and they stick with the mental side because it does produce unbelievable results, right? But you have to stick with it and keep training it. And uh, one of the things we did at Lucid is we, dro- we designed a 1,000 five-minute workouts. Each one is custom and individual. So we can take someone through essentially four years of mental training um, because it is there is no overnight success, right? There is no quick fix. If this is something that means something to you and, and you believe in Steph Curry and Tom Brady and you, and you want to know why they're doing the things they do and Michael Jordan, you need to start training your mind every day, right? And you need to start getting your reps in because mental training is just like physical training. You have to do a little bit all the time, right? And slowly but surely you get better at it. Um, right, Tom Brady's not a 17-year-old talking about the mental side, right? He's a 39-year-old explaining how powerful this is. Our goal at Lucid is what if we could get this to younger people earlier, right? Again, so 14 and 15-year-olds are already knowing this language about being present. And instead of having their goal being I got to score 30 points and get a D1 scholarship, their goal is all I have to do is be present, which is the single hardest thing you'll do in sports. But if that becomes the goal and coaches like Jay Wright are emphasizing this, then I think we're going to see basketball improve. I think we're going to see more players be present. And when players are present, we see great things happen. You know, that's where the magic is. I mean, if you were here in the studio, you would see Jake's eyes light up when you talk about a five-minute workout that doesn't require breaking a sweat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Eating a sandwich these days breaks a sweat for (laughs) 6'3", 240, bald heads. (laughs) Graham, this was great. Thanks Graham, so much. Uh, I should say thanks for coming on the Mandy Brown show, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> he just said that because he can't pronounce Antonacci. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Graham, thank you so much thanks for the for time. On. We appreciate it. Yeah. Anything else? Is that good for you guys? That That's it. I, I think we got we're good. It all. I think we're good. We are present, Graham.
Okay, right on you guys. We'll keep you posted and let me know if anything else. I'm happy to help. All right, man. Thanks very Appreciate much, Graham. Okay, thank you guys. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.